Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Anyway, but <laughs> tonight, tonight, I'm, I'm really excited. I believe that this year, I don't know if you guys have been listening or seeing around, but this year, a lot of change has already happened, and I believe it's just the beginning. I believe that this year is a year where God is setting us up to obtain promises in our life. I, I really believe, and all these people I've been talking to, they're like, it's so weird. God gave me a promise years ago, and all of a sudden, it's starting to happen. And I was like, dude, we're only like two weeks into January. Like, what is happening? But I believe that God, this year, is we're stepping in to getting promises that he has for us. Um, so there's this verse I want to talk about tonight. Tonight, I want to talk about basically what, how do you keep hope in the midst of obtaining promises? Because a lot of times, you, uh, uh, the Israelites cross over the Jordan, and they're like, yeah, freedom, we're in the promised land. And then all of a sudden, the manna they've been eating for 40 years disappears and dried up. And they're like, oh, dang it. We have to go hunt for food now? Are you serious? Like, where's that cloud that followed us around for 40 years? Like, it's gone. Like, and there's moments where their hearts were discouraged, and they said, could this really be the promise land? So I believe we're so close to stepping into promises that we need to set our hearts right and begin to have hope right now. And so when discouragement comes, we can break through it with hope. Does that sound good? Yeah. Can we do that? So this is one of my favorite verses. This is actually the first verse I read in this Bible. I opened it up and I did that corny thing like, Jesus, I want the first verse to be something amazing from you. You know, I'm not that one, Lord. I'm that one. Okay, <laughs> do it again, right? No, but the first one that I read was this verse in Hosea 2:14. It says, "Therefore, behold, I will allure her." And he was talking about Israel when he says her. I'll bring her into the wilderness, and I will speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards, and I will make the valley of Acre a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth as at the time when she first came out of the land of Egypt. A lot of people don't know this, but the word acre, I'm like, valley of acre, what does that mean? If you look it up, the word acre translates in English to the word trouble. God says, I will take your valley of trouble and I will transform it into a door of hope. Wow. And basically the very same spot that you were like, I am stuck in a valley, is going to be the very walkway of hope in your life to, to step into the promises. And so tonight, I want to talk about that. You see, God takes the troubles in our life. He takes the things done to us. He takes the, the pain, the hurt, the, the, the times we were backstabbed, the times that we were broken, the times, all these things. And he doesn't say, just get over it. He, he actually says, no, let's heal it, let's restore it, and let's turn them into a very door of hope that you're meant to walk through. Uh, God, he, the very place where I was once troubled, if I let God speak tenderly to me there, I have to let him talk. He's got to talk to me about it. If I let him do that, he can transform it into a door of hope in my life. You see, what if God could redeem our brokenness? I'm not talking about heal our brokenness. I'm talking about redeem full redemption. You see, healing would be like, oh, I feel way better about that. It doesn't hurt me anymore. Redemption says, 
I am now going to give other people freedom in the exact same area that I was struggling with. Healing, healing stops at me. Redemption says I'm going to spread it into the kingdom of God. I'm going to take it everywhere I go. Like, like the devil, he doesn't want you to be healed. But the main thing he doesn't want is that you would now use it for healing other people. This is how you kick the devil in the face, David. <laughs> you take the very area you were plagued with and you turn it into the greatest weapon of redemption into darkness. And then the devil's sorry. Why did I do that? That's not the biggest area that he attacks me with. Right? This is what Jesus did. He took death, the devil's weapon, and it was actually through that, the devil's own weapon, that he ended up conquering the devil. The very weapon he used. David killed Goliath with Goliath's sword. He took the very weapon against him and ended up using it for victory, right? And that's what I believe we are called to do. So, uh, basically, there, the second part of this verse, it says, There she will answer me as in the days of her youth, as the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. So, here I am, I read this verse and I say, God, I want to be a man of hope. I want to be a man that in every circumstance I see and I believe and I walk in hope. How do I do that? And he gives it in the next verse. He says, like, be like Israel when she first came out of Egypt. And so I said, okay, well then let's look and see what Israel did when she first came out of Egypt. If you want to kick open the door of hope in your life, we have to follow what did Israel do when they first came out of, of Egypt. Do you see how that works? Do you see what I'm saying there? He says, the door of hope, like how Israel was. So then I'm like, what was Israel? Let's find out. So are we cool if we go on a little bit of a journey tonight through the book of Joshua of when they're, they're stepping out into the promises like Israel first did? Are we cool with that? Let's go. Okay, awesome. Sweet, let's go. Let's do it. And I'm just going to put these down now. Okay, so uh, tonight we're going to read a lot about out of the TPV version. That is the Taylor paraphrase version. We don't have a lot of time to go through all the verses. So I'm just going to give you my own, you know, kind of paraphrase just to give you context. Okay. So the, this paraphrase, basically what happens, y'all know Moses. You guys know Moses? Yeah, no. Please tell me you know Moses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So Moses, this Moses, you know, Prince of Egypt, splits the Red Sea, all this stuff. That guy, he leads Israel around for 40 years in the desert. Okay. They're going around, they, you know, they pass go a bunch of times. They go around a whole, so many times, right? And, and basically, finally, 40 years, they're allowed to pass in the promise. Land. There's a problem, though. Moses dies. And now Joshua is in charge, right? And he is, and God says to Joshua, I'm going to take you, and I'm, you are going to be the one to lead the Israels into the promises. That, to us, guys, I, I cannot, like, emphasize enough how, how deep this promise is to people. You see, to the people here, the, the, this promise is not something that they've just heard about. It's something they were taught since they were born. It's something that, Mom, Dad, why have we lived in the desert my entire life? Because we came out of Egypt, and there's a promise. And one day we're going to step into it. You will. I might. I probably won't. But you will. You will walk. This is the promise every child in the entire nation. They all had one thing in common is this promise. For 400 years of slavery, the thing that got them through was, I have a promise from God that we will have our own land. This is not just like a, like with me, like, God, you promised me a new car, and I still don't have one. 
This is like your entire identity is wrapped up in this promise, okay? You were born, now you're 40 years old, and you still haven't seen it come to pass. Like, this is a deep promise. And, and God says, Joshua, you are going to take them inside of it. So here they go. They're ready. 40 years, they say, okay, it's time to go. They get to the river, and they, they get through the Jordan River. That's a whole nother miraculous story right there. But they get through it, and here is a battle strategy, so to speak, that God gives uh, to the Israelites on how to stay in a place of hope as they conquest, as they take the land. And, and so the first thing he says is this. Here's this verse, Joshua 3, starting in verse 3. If you guys want to turn there or go on your phones or whatever. Okay, so it says, And he commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits. For those who don't know, uh, 2,000 cubits is about a mile and a half in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So what he says, he's like, this is our battle strategy. They're all like, Joshua, how do we get the promises of God? How do we step into this? And he says, the Ark of the Covenant, which represents God's presence, who he was, right? Put that a mile and a half ahead of you and just follow. That's your battle strategy. Why is it a mile and a half in front of you? I hope you guys would know. No, okay, basically, a mile and a half in front, it's a place where every person in the army could see it. If you, put, if you stand the Ark of the Covenant right here in front of these people, they'll see it. Two, three, four rows back will see it. What about the guy who's number 40,000 in the army? <laughs> He's not seeing a thing. He's like, where are we going? I don't know. I'm just following the crowd, right? But if you put it a mile and a half down there, and it's this hilly terrain that they're going into Israel now, every person in the army can see it. And they say, as long as I can see the ark, God is leading us. As long as I can see him and follow him, I have a strategy. The first thing, point one, the thing you got to do if you want to keep hope in your life to obtain the promises of God is keep him in front of you. You have to become so stubborn about keeping him in front of you. You have to say, no way, I will not do anything else. If you want this valley of acre of trouble to be turned into a door of hope, you have to say, where is God going? Uh, okay, that's the way. I'm going that way now. You got it. You got it. You, we, there are so many things that would come against us. There's so many distractions. There's so much busyness and homework and relationships and drama and, and, and work and all these things. It's so easy to have a week go by and be like, why don't I have any vision? What am I doing with my life, God? Is this the right plan? And then you stop and you're like, I haven't even talked to God in like a week. No wonder I'm so messed up. Like, dang it. Like, I got to put him back in front of me guys if we as if we as crux we're following right this we are going into a territory we have never gone before he says if you want to go into this territory that you've never been then keep me in front of you that is the only way this thing is going to work i don't know where we're going i just know we're going after god that's it that's my battle strategy let's just follow him and let's put him in a place where everyone in the room that's the goal. 
That, that's, that's our main goal. And the real reward, guys. I love it. God said, he said, he didn't say, look at the promise. He didn't walk around and be like, look at all this land. He also didn't walk around and be like, look at all the enemies you got to defeat. He actually said, look at me. So often we get stuck in where I'm like, God, the promises, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this. And we try to use human ambition to get us through. One day I'm going to get the job. One day I'm going to get the girl or the guy. One day I'm going to get the car and the American dream. One day I'll get the degree. And we try to like make that our fuel source. Or the other way, we look and we are just like, oh man, I don't want to be a doctor. That's like, how many years is that, y'all? That's like 10 years. That's a, that's a long time. Like, like, dang it. Like, you know, like the obstacle, you know? Like, how many? And, and she's going to do it. Like, I know she, she's amazing. And that's, that's not even just for a health doctor. If you want a doctorate, that's like, oh, eight years. Oh, dang, right? Like, man, man, if I want to be a dentist, I got I to, gotta, like, go to 10 years or crazy. If I want to do, like, anything, I got to, like, spend some time. If I look at the obstacles I will burn out and if I look at my promises I'll burn out the only way I'm going to make it is if I don't look at the promises I don't look at the obstacles I just look at Jesus where are you going okay if it's school for four years okay if it's some other direction okay I'm just going back to you. that's the only way we're going to make it guys this gets real practical. Like I said, you got to get stubborn about even going in front of you. I have a whiteboard that I used to put in my room, and I would sit there, and on my worst days, I would get up, and I would just write, like, I'm called to this, and God's this, and he's in me, and he's with me, and I have hope, and I have... And I would pace back and forth crying, look at my whiteboard. By the time I turned around, I forgot what it said, so I would turn around, and I would read it again. I looked like a crazy person. Like, there was literally, like, I have flashcards in my car, that I would sit there crying, and I'd just be like, okay, okay. You are loved by God, right? And I would just do this. Like, I did. I kept him in front of me every moment of every day. Like, I had decorations taped on my wall. I printed up a picture of Jesus' face, and I taped it by my bed. And one day my roommate came in, and he was like, why do you have Moses taped next to your bed? And I was like, dude, he's Jesus. And he's like, okay. And then he was like, no, seriously, like, that's weird. Like, why do you have it? I'm like, so when I wake up, I can his eyes <laughs> and he's just like all right bro <laughs> like and he just never brought it up ever again he's like that's weird right but i said i don't care i want to wake up in the night when i'm broken and depressed when i don't want to get out of bed in the morning and all i have to do is go like this and then hope i have hope that you see his eyes right all i have to do is turn my head to the left right like i like i literally ceiling so when I wake up I would just see him like I didn't even have to because it was too hard to turn my head to the left so I'm just like oh there he is I can make it today like you have to get stubborn about keeping Jesus in front of you if you're going to obtain the hope and beat this valley of acre this valley of trouble and get the promises of God it's so easy and yet it's the number one thing I probably struggle with is that oh, I went a whole day in so simple a child can do it and yet philosophers are still trying to figure out how they can get themselves to do it right so are you guys ready for number two are we doing okay okay number two here we go thank you john <laughs> all right so there's a part back to the tpv version okay so basically there's a part where they go in they keep god in front of them he leads them to jericho y'all y'all see y'all know jericho jericho 
Have you, have you guys know what it is? It was this walled fortress. Have you seen the old Veggie Tales movie with the keys and like, keep walking, but you know, like, but it isn't gonna fall, right? It's like this crazy wall thing that he can't. They say just walk around. This thing was wall on top of another wall. Inside of the wall, they didn't use bricks. They used skulls of their enemies. Like this is like this is a nasty place, right? This is like, oh, you want to fight us? Good. We need another wall. We'll use your body to help build it, right? Like, this is like a crazy place, right? And God, not following God, he's in front of me. And then, oh, what? Like, how often are you walking in the promises of God, following him? This is great. I see God. And then you're like, but God, did you take a wrong turn? Oh, man. But like, you're like, are you sure, God? Are you serious? Like, and this is what happens. They get to Jericho. And this is what it says. Uh, basically, God says, Joshua, you're going to take this land. And he gives them this battle strategy, Joshua 6, 15. He says, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and they marched around the city seven times in the same manner they had been doing. Basically, God says, you want to beat them? Don't take swords, take trumpets and walk around for seven days. Walk around Jericho and just, just be silent. And I'd, I'd be walking out like that. Right? Like these guys are sitting up there with their arrows ready to shoot you. And like, just keep walking at you. Jesus, don't look at the lamb, don't look at the enemy, just keep looking at Jesus, right? And so they're going, and basically it says, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, and they marched around the city in the same manner they had been doing, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpets, Joshua commanded his army, shout, for the Lord has given you this city. And then they all just go, ah! They just start shouting. It's like that moment in Narnia where it's like, for Aslan, and for Or that part in Braveheart where it's like, for Adolf, you know, whatever it is. He just says, shout, God's giving you this city. They all start shouting and the city falls to the ground. It says the walls actually fell inward. Like they, or wait, outward. I don't know. It was something totally different than normal. Basically, the walls is totally supernatural. Basically, this, what does this tell us? It tells us that when we get to the stronghold, we're walking in the promises. Oh, I am, I am walking in 2017, promises of God. Oh, dang, that's a stronghold. What do you do? Surround it with worship. Surround it with praise. So often, we're just like, yay, this is great. Oh, man, I ain't going that way. Or, oh, oh, this is great. Oh, dang, my wallet's offending me. It's totally empty. <laughs> oh, dang, my credit card's really, those guys on the phone trying to collect money, they're offensive. This is bad. <laughs> right? Like, we have these strongholds. I've had times, guys, you're all going to think, you're going to learn a lot about me. I put my wallet on a chair before, and I was just like, no! <laughs> like, like, I, like, Jesus is stronger than you! Right? Like, like, I just, like, sat there, I'm like, yeah, see this? Yeah, yeah, watch me worship God! <laughs> and people are like, you're crazy, bro, you're yelling at your wallet, right? Yeah, like, I've had times where I'm just like, no! Like, I had to get stubborn, and I was like, I will worship God in the midst. I don't understand why it hurts right now. I don't understand the pain. I'm not going to come up with some theological reason an argument to try to explain away my pain. I'm actually just going to worship God in the midst of it. I'm just going to sit there and worship God and surround the enemy with worship. Like there's this part, I've also done this, I've like put out a chair and I've been like, because I've been super broken and something really 
tragic happened in my family, and I wanted to turn on God, but I basically just put a chair and I'm like, that's for you, the like that's for you, Satan. Watch me worship God, and just turn and then just fall on my face and cry and worship God. This is how you get victory. Keep your eyes on God and surround your strongholds with worship. That's how you keep hope inside of your heart. The devil is stubborn. He's like that little cockroach that you like turn on the light. You're like, how did you get in here again? Like, right? He's stubborn. You got to be stubborn too. You got to be stubborn. Say, I refuse to believe lies. I don't care what it takes. I refuse to believe lies. So, the next part, verse 17. It says that the city and all that is in it we're de- are devoted to the Lord. This is basically Joshua, the, 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 everything they shouted, everything fell. Right before he tells the men, go in and like take victory, conquer it. He tells them, he gives them this charge. And he, Joshua says to his men, the city and all that is within it are devoted to the Lord. So keep away from these devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver, all the gold, all the bronze, all the iron are sacred to the Lord and they will go into his treasury. He basically says this. He says, go inside, take the city. Do not take a thing. You see, it's very, very possible to come out of slavery, one type of slavery, and then step into another one. It's very possible to, I'm no longer physically enslaved, but all the nations around me have treasure, and I want it too. And I enslave myself to materialism. Right? No, those materials, they weren't bad. God says, put them in the temple, like give them, give them to him kind of a thing. But he, the first victory that they would ever win as a nation in the promised land 100% of the tithe goes to God. Because to remind them, hey, remember, I'm your reward. Wow. It's almost as if the promised land, the reason it's the promised land is because where the ark went. It's where God is. Jesus, he, he, in John 14, I think it's 14, 16, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Yeah. No one comes to the Father except through me. The goal for Jesus wasn't not to get us to heaven. It was to get us to the Father. It was to build a bridge back to the Father. And I don't know if you've read the end of the story. Spoiler alert. The Father comes down to earth and makes a new heaven on a new earth. The whole goal is not to get us to heaven. It's to get us back in the arms of the Father. That's our goal. That's the whole reason Jesus died on the cross. Is to connect us back to the heart of the Father. So in this moment, he reminds them. He says, guys, don't take anything. Because I don't want you enslaved again. I want you to remember I'm your reward. If you want to keep hope in your life, remember, he's your reward. It's so easy to get jaded and be like, they should have treated me different. I, I, oh man, I did this and they hurt me and I did. He's my reward. Injustice, okay, I get it. It was unjust, but God's my reward. Not, not the justice of man. So the next part, guys, this is what happens. Basically, yeah, I already told you the TPV version was basically don't touch anything, don't take anything, give it all to God. But what happens is after this, guys, um, they're basically, they go in, they take it, they think it's great. Woo, great victory party. We didn't, we didn't 
lose a single casualty. Can you imagine going to war and killing like hundreds of thousands of people and not a single one of you die? Like you're like, this is great. We had trumpets. We didn't even have anything, right? It was awesome. Like, and that's a good victory, like landslide victory. They have so much hope. And there's gonna be times when God has crazy victories in your life and you have hope. And you're like, oh, I can take on the world right now. This is great. And then they send Joshua, he sends them to go capture another city. And he's like, you know what? Only take two to 3,000 men. Because we don't need all 40,000 of them. I'm like, we just destroyed this place. Didn't even touch it. 2,000 men go. They run back scared. And about 36 of them says die. And Joshua is so distraught. He's so confused. And I've been there in my life. I'm like, God, I thought you promised this. Why does it hurt? I thought you promised me this right now. Why is it hard? God, what, what the heck? What's going on here? And it says Joshua got on his face before God. And he says, God, what? And he starts crying out, God, what happened? You said you'd give me victory. Why? Why did, why did my men die out there? I trusted you. And this is what God says. Verse, chapter 7, verse 10. It says, the Lord says to Joshua, stand up. <laughs> oh, dang. All right. <laughs> what are you doing down on your face? You see, there's a moment when we go to our kids and we're like, it's okay, come here. And there's another moment where you say, dude, brush it off, stand up, let's get going. There's a moment, I've learned this a lot in the youth group, there's certain kids, sometimes you have to be like, I love you, so stop crying. <laughs> because I love you and I'm trying to teach you right now how to stand up and fight. And there's other times when they're genuinely hurt and you hold them and you say, it's okay, I love you, I'm here for you, let's stand up together, let's fight. And so in this moment, this is a moment where Joshua's like, God, it's all ruined. My hope is gone. Oh, you know, valley maker, right? Trouble, trouble, right? And then God's like, hey, stand up. Why are you on your face? Right? I'm, I'm, I'm still here. And what I love is that this next part, he, he tells him why. He says, what happened? He says, Israel, starting verse 11, he says, Israel sinned. They violated my covenant, which I commanded them. They took some of those devoted things that they that, and they have stolen them. They lied about them, and they put them in their own possession. This is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turned their backs, and they ran, because they, had made, they were made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. They stole, and they did the one thing. Like, one job! Don't touch anything! And they took it in. It's like Aladdin. Like, don't touch that no. <laughs> right? It's like the exact same thing, right? And so basically God says there was compromise, man. You had compromise in your hearts. And that's, that's why. That's why it fell. And so he says to Joshua, he says, stand up. Sometimes the best way to return back to hope is to stand up and to kill the compromise in our life. To realize, okay, I got to get up. I got to keep moving forward. And I got to get this thing out of my heart. Uh, basically, so often we're like, but the devil beat me up. <laughs> it's like that video where it's like, Charlie bet me. They're like, oh, 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 oh. And then we keep putting our finger back. Oh, oh, right? We keep doing the same thing. And we're like, God, but the devil's mean. He bit me. And God's like, so stand up and let's do something about it. Right? Because a good father does not just sit there and protect his children. He actually teaches them and matures them and grows them up to walk in the same way where they now become a protector. It's, it's the heart of a father to say, come on, 
And he's teaching them the same thing. So, she says, stand up. See, so often we have to basically realize we're sons and daughters. And because we're sons and daughters, God says, stand up with me and fight with me. Don't just give up under the pressure. Don't just give up and roll over and die. (laughs) If you want to obtain the hope of God in your life, the hope from your promises, sometimes you don't need to know how to fight. The fighting is that you just stand up again. And you say, okay, God, I'm going to follow you again. And I'm going to keep worshiping. If you just stand up, follow God, and keep worshiping, you're going to make it. And so this is what he does. Is uh, The last point here, or, or one of them, is basically uh, <laughs> one of the last points. Basically, is he says, kill the compromise. He, he goes to them, and he basically says, you said that you would give it all to me, and then you stole a bunch of it. And basically, I'm going to skip down, but God basically, uh, there's this line where he says, where the Lord basically says, uh, there are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemy until you remove them. We will never get victory in our life in the area that we entertain and we are unwilling to give to God. So many times people come and they say, dude, how come I can't get over this issue of, uh, I don't know, like of lust? And it's like, well, what kind of, mo- uh, like, and then, and then we talk about movies and they're like, oh, there's nothing wrong with rated R movies. And you're like, dude, that movie has nudity in it. And you're like, uh, maybe that's the problem. I don't know. Like, like, you know, and when there's times where people will come and they'll say, dude, I keep having horrible nightmares. And you're like, well, dude, everything on the shelf is about monsters. And, hor- and horrible stuff. Like, may- maybe that'll cause it. I don't know. Like, uh, there's other times where I was in, I was in Cambodia, guys. I-, I used to live in Cambodia. And there's people who are like, we don't get it. We just have demons come in and attack us in our sleep. And we're like, dang, this is a big issue. Like, what do we do? And then I'm sitting there and I'm realizing every house here in Cambodia has a little red, like, birdhouse. And I'm like, what's that birdhouse in the front of your house? And they're like, oh, that's the house for our family demon. And they're like, we put food and little, like, sacrifices on it, and so that way the demons won't haunt us. And I'm like, look, I, I'm just a white American guy, but uh, I have an idea. <laughs> Hear me out. <laughs> just, so I sound crazy. But maybe, maybe the reason you get haunted by demons is because you have a house for a demon in your front yard where your children play soccer. <laughs> you know, like, like, maybe, maybe I'm just going to go out on a limb here, but maybe if you stop dedicating your house to a demon, they won't bother you as much. You know, like, like basically God says here, you cannot have victory over the area of your life we are unwilling to give to God. Why do I struggle with impurity? Well, maybe it's because I'm always watching things that are impure. How do I expect to have authority over something that I pay money to watch? (laughs) Right? And this isn't just movies. This is books and this is uh, music and this is also, this could be lots of stuff. This could be like, uh, it could be a lot of things. I'm just using that as a practical. This can get real practical real fast, right? So we are called to consecrate ourselves to God. We're called because God says, I will not walk among holy, unholy, like these unholy things. Like everything I touch becomes holy. So I'm touching you. So you have a choice now. Become holy and come with me or decide not to. You see, guys, salvation is completely free. You will never be able to buy it, ever. But discipleship, walking with Jesus, becoming like him, that costs everything. This guy, Lauren Cunningham, he says, if God's, 
if he's not Lord of all, then he's really not Lord at all. Basically, Joshua said, realized, we have to get outside. We have to get rid of this compromise in our hearts if we're ever going to take the promises of God. And so this is a call to holiness. Joy-filled holiness. This isn't like a, I don't like you because you're unholy. This is like a, a father saying, hey, let's clean off this dirt on you. Hey, let's move forward. Stand up. Let's conquer this thing together. This is encouraging. This isn't a bad thing. This is encouraging. Uh, and so what I love, David, he says, expose me, God. David in Psalms 19.14, he says, may the words of my mouth and with the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, God my rock and my redeemer. Jesus said, would there be nothing in my life you're not allowed to touch God? You can have it. And Joshua realizes this exact same thing. And so what does he do? Uh, he goes to, uh, he basically asks the Lord and the Lord through this uh, series of events, he points out this man named Achan. Achan is the guy who stole. And it says that Achan, if you read it, I'm just trying to save time here. Um, but basically, if you read the passage, it says that Achan, Achan, he dug a hole under his tent and he hid the things underground. If we're, not, if we're not careful, guys, the very things we hide from God will become foundational blocks. We will build our house and we will rest upon the things that we're hiding from God if we're not careful. A lot of times we're like, this is not a big deal. I'm just going to hide this. And it actually becomes... We wonder why our house starts to falter when that issue comes up. Because the foundation is built upon this thing I'm hiding from God. We need every aspect of our, God, of our life given to God. And what I love is Joshua, this is his command. He says, he, when he finds out, he says, they took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites, and they spread them out before the Lord. God is calling us to take those, those things in our life that we feel like we, we can't get strengthened, there's things in our life that we feel like uh, we're conquered in or we compromised in or we're compromising in. And God is calling us to lay them out before him. Spread them out before God. That's, that's this uh, uh, last point here is spread out before the Lord. If you want to keep hope in your life, if you want to conquer the things of the enemy, we have to spread them out before God and say, God, you are allowed to touch whatever you want. Because there's times, guys, where it's like God says, hey, go forgive that person. And you're like, no, you don't know what to do with God. And he's like, actually, I totally know what to do with you. And if you're not careful, bitterness will not become a structural block for your house. Spread it out before God. He said, God, you can have all What's crazy is uh, basically that they go on and they, Joshua orders that they stone and they kill Achan because he, he brought compliments into the place. And what's wild is, basically, I'll read the verse. He says, over, over Achan, they heaped up large piles of rocks, which remain there to this day. And then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, the place has uh, been called the Valley of Acre ever since. And when I read that verse, something sparked into my mind, that verse I read you earlier. It says, I will make the Valley of Acre a door of hope. The Valley of Acre means trouble, but it was named after this man who lived in compromise. It was named after this man who knowingly, he knew the promises of God, and he still did it. He watched Jericho fall. 
And he still did it. He heard the command, don't do this. And he still did it. This represents every time in our life, guys, when, when, when we knowingly step into trouble. There's times in our life where trouble happens to us. And there's other times where we're the ones doing it. A lot of times people, they, they villainize Achan as this horrible guy. But I, dude, my heart has so much of Achan inside of it. Right? Like so much of my heart has this guy inside of it where I know better. And I choose to do it anyway. Like I know God. I've seen him do miracles. And yet for some reason, I, I now I say, God, I don't really know if you do this. You know, like I've seen him break through and then I doubt him again. I, I've seen him uh, rescue me time and time again. And yet for some reason, I always seem to go back and compromise again. And, and so, guys, this valley of acre, literally, it represents just not the trouble in your life. It represents all the times in my life where I was the trouble. I, I did it. Uh, I knowingly stepped in and I'm the one who created my own Valley of Acre. It's named, do you guys see that? It is named after Achan. And so this, guys, this is the gospel. God takes not just the trouble done to us, he actually takes the trouble through us, the trouble we did, the compromise in my life, my mess-ups, my pain, my sin, and he turns them into doors of hope. What if the very area that you once struggled with, the very area that you had the biggest compromise, what if you become the number one messenger for hope in that area? This is the gospel. Like, what if, guys, what if a Peter who denied Jesus becomes the number one voice for accept Jesus? What if, guys, what if, and we see this all throughout the Bible, what if Gideon, the man who was so afraid, becomes the man who leads courageously into war? What if the area I have compromise in becomes the very area I now have strength in? This is our God. He takes the valleys of acre, the valley of compromise, the valley of pain, the valley of where I messed up my own sin, and he turns it and he says, now it can be hope. If you do a couple things, follow me, keep me in front of you, and spread it out before me. If you do that, the very area you can never have victory in could become the very area that you preach victory in. This is like a big deal, guys. This means like, like I can preach joy because I was the number one person who believed in depression. And then God turned me into, and now I can preach joy. Like, uh, I, I can preach, preach, preach. I can preach purity, not because I've never messed up, but because God can take that situation where I knowingly messed up and he can turn it, make me a pure man that I can preach purity to other people now. Like, God, he can take the number one area of your life where you say, I don't know if I'll ever get breakthrough in this. The number one area where like, I don't know if I'll ever get free from this. It, I, I guarantee we all have that aching inside of our heart, right? Like, we all have it somewhere. It could be fear. It could be drugs. It could be alcohol. It could be impurity. It could be thoughts. It could be relationships. It could be money. It could be all these things. The one area that you compromise in constantly, what if it becomes the one area of hope in your life? Because we have a God who takes the valley of Abraham and he turns it into doors of hope. This means I am not disqualified. 
This man left up. I'm not this cool. I can't mess up. He can turn it. Guys, th- th- this is good news. This is good news for a guy like me. The number one area I was scared of was public speaking. That is hilarious. Because now I'm called to public speak. And then I was completely depressed. And now I preach joy. I was completely wrapped up in all this stuff. And now I preach life. I'm telling you. So think. What is the area in your life you can't seem to get free of? Chances are that's the area of life you are called to preach hope in. So. What's up? It's going to happen. It already is. Come on. (laughs) So. Basically guys. I believe that if we tonight release all this area to God, I believe that if we lay it out before the Lord, that He can take it and He can turn it for Him. But I, I, I just want to do exactly what Joshua did. I just want to follow Jesus. I, I just want to basically keep Him in front of me. I, and I want to surround my strongholds with worship. And I want to take all the areas of my life and spread it out before God. So worship team, can you go ahead and come up? Basically, I just want to open up a moment for us to be able to really press in to freedom. I believe 2017 is the year for you to get freedom in your life and step into the promises. I believe that this is a year of you going further into your calling than ever before. I believe that this is a year year of you beginning to cross that river Jordan and step into the promises of God. But there will be hardships. Just because it's God promised doesn't mean there won't be hardship. And so when these hardships come, I want us to be like a Joshua generation of people who rises up and we say, God, I will keep you in front of me. God, I will surround this with worship. And God, all the compromises in my life, all the areas that I don't want people to touch, all my pain, all my bitterness, all my unforgiveness, whatever it might be for you, I'm going to spread it out before God. And I'm going to say, God, you can have whatever you want. You can have it all. So guys, go ahead and stand up with me real quick. And if we could just open up our hands in a place of surrender. And and I want you to think, what is that area in your life? Is it fear? Is it money? Is it relationships? Is it impurity? Is it, is it, what is it? What is that area that you say, I just can't seem to break free? Picture that in your mind right now. about right now, one day you will preach to somebody else hope in this area. If you choose to give it to God. That's either the answer or the Bible's wrong. (laughs) The Bible's not wrong. 
if you're willing to give this area to God. If you are willing to spread it out before Him and if you are willing to surround this area with worship, I promise you, you will have victory in this area and it will become home. And so let's just pray this out together. Father, Father I, give I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you everything. I surrender to your lordship no matter what the cost. Take the Aiken out of my heart and change it into a door of hope. I am blessed. I am loved. And I have hope. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.